Uh, we've been in a series called Afterlife, and the whole theme of this has been that we need to live with the end in mind. That as Christians, we can't just live for the here and now. We just can't live with three seconds ahead thinking. We've got to be thinking eternal life. We are thinking a life in eternity, and so uh, doing that, it affects our life here and now, and uh, we've been reading uh, passages from a, a man named Solomon who was one of the wisest men to ever live, and, and he was sharing his experiences, his life, uh, from the wisdom that God has given him and telling us how to live life with this future focus and how to make the most of life now, but how to not put all of your eggs in that basket. But to think about eternal life and the life we have to come, the life that truly lasts forever. And uh, we've been going through the series. We're going to finish today in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. So I invite you to turn there if you have your Bibles this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. If you didn't bring a Bible, uh, you're welcome to grab one of those in the seat there around you and turn it to page 559. And you'll be right there at Ecclesiastes chapter 11. As always, you're welcome to get in uh, the Oakwood app. And uh, go to sermons and all the notes and all the scriptures are there for you and a way for you to take notes as well. But we're going to be uh, beginning this morning reading, reading Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11. This is going to take us right to the very, very end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, kind of Solomon's summary statements and parting words and some reminders for us. And I think it's going to be uh, just, just uh, really awesome to hear what the Lord has for us this morning. So let's begin uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11 and uh, beginning with verse 9. It says this, and I'm just going to read this passage all the way through, and then we'll work back through it in the, in, in the next few minutes. But it says this, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and the tares are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote the words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, 
For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. These are Solomon's parting words, and he gives us a lot of themes and, and, and a lot to think about in, this pa- in these uh, passages that we're reading today. And so I just want to share a few of these thoughts with you uh, this morning. You know, what is Solomon trying to say to us? What, what is he trying to impart to us? And the, and the first one is this. Do your want-tos. Do your want-tos in life. Look what he said there in in chapter 11, verse 9. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know, but remember this, for all these things God will bring into judgment. You see, I think the majority of us, we have a list of want-tos. Now, uh, he's not just talking about something that you want to do or accomplish in life, kind of like a bucket list. Like, you know, I hope before uh, my expiration date that uh, I'm a, you know, one of my goals, I'm going to visit all seven uh, continents in the world. Or, you know, one of, my, one of my goals is before I pass away, I want to see Niagara Falls. Or I want to take my family to, to Walt Disney World. And, and, and you may have some of those bucket list things, and those are all well and good. And you can have some want to for those things. But I think what Solomon is saying to us even more, here is the want-tos that are for the Lord, the want-tos that are within the will of God, the want-tos that matter in life. And I bet you a lot of us could relate to this this morning. Because there's a lot of us that say, you know what, that's right, because I want to be, I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best mom. I, I want to be a really good husband. I, I want to be a really good wife. You know, I want to really make a difference, and, and I want to be one of those people that, that's a lifter, and when people come to me, they feel lifted up, and I want to be an encourager, and I want to be who, one who imparts the wisdom of God, and, and we have all these want-tos. I want to accomplish this. I want to be this person. I want to be open-handed and a generous person, and we have all of these lists of want-tos. The fact is we don't take action on them. That's the problem. Everybody's got want-tos, right? Probably everybody here, you could, you could write me a list right now. You could fill it out and, and, and put it on a card. Yes, I want to do this, and I want to be this, and I, I want to accomplish this. And then I would say, okay, great. Those are, those are great, amiable things. Some of those things might even be from scriptures. These might be God ideas that he's stirring in your heart. Why don't you do them? And it seems to be that we know some things, but we don't actually follow through and do them because sometimes our want-tos become wish I hads later in life you know I'm only in my 40s so I'm super young hey now but I already am at a place in life with an 18 and a 15 and a 12 year old where I have some want-tos that have already become wish I hads And some of you might be able to relate to that. You know, I want to do this, and I've wanted to do that, but now you're getting to a point where when you talk about that, you're saying, man, I wish I had done that different. I wish I'd followed through with that intention. And that's the danger of it for us. And Solomon is saying here, in verse 9, he's talking about our youth. He's saying, hey, while you are young, oh young man, while you're in your youth, While you're thinking about all the things you aspire to be, and hopefully that's within the will of God, hopefully that's in Christ Jesus and through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through all of those things, through that relationship with God who is sovereign over your life anyway, 
then do your want-tos. Because want-tos become wish-I-hads later in life. The second thing that he's uh, telling us in another message that I think is very timely for us today uh, is, is in verse 10 where he says, remove vexation from your heart. And what he's saying there is, deal with your junk now. Because the older you become, the more it will cost you. Deal with your junk now because the older you become, the more it will cost you. That may be in the form of physical pain. That may be in the form of some kind of emotional pain. But there will be pain in the journey. He's saying if you deal with that stuff now, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body now, for the youth and dawn of life are vanity. It's not, it's not going to matter, so you need to deal with it now. Don't wait for the end of life. Don't push your problems or your issues or things that you need to work on on down the road. Work on those things today. The fact is that sometimes we don't, we don't do that. Sometimes we don't like to do that because it's uncomfortable. And sometimes we don't do that because there's a fact that a lot of us live by. And sometimes I think that's that a lot of times to make a change, it means pain. Change sometimes means pain. And sometimes for some of us, we won't make a change in life until the pain of the current circumstances we're in becomes greater than the pain that it would actually take to make the change. That the pain of our current circumstances would be much greater, would hurt more than the pain it would take to make a change in life. And Solomon says, deal with it now. Deal with, deal with these things now. Make the changes you are now because as you get older, it seems that it's like putting fertilizer, sunshine, and some water on it. It's just going to grow to the point that maybe someday it could be out of hand. It's going to cost you more if you don't deal with it now. So deal with it now. Remove vexation from your heart and go God's direction in all things. So he, he, he tells us, do your want-tos. He tells us to deal with your junk now or the older you become, the more it will cost you. The third thing this morning is he tells us, don't forget your God. Don't forget your God. You see, Solomon is old now, so he can say this from a place of a lot of wisdom and a place of a lot of experience. As he's gotten older in life, he can say something like that, and, and there'll be a lot of truth to it. It's a reminder to us, isn't it? Who was he? He was a king, possibly the richest man to ever live on the earth. He had prayed to God for wisdom, full of wisdom, a very smart and a very cunning man. As the world standards goes, hey, you know, 700 wives, 300 concubines, riches, living the life I want to live, making all the decisions I want to make, I'm over my own destiny as the world would look at him. And through it all, he says this, don't forget your God. Look what it says in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, remember also your creator. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come. And before the years draw of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before you go through all these years and you say, I'm just not having as much fun. I'm not enjoying my life now as much as I did in the past. Before all that comes, remember your creator. When you are making decisions about your future, 
when you are making uh, decisions about the way forward in life, maybe, maybe who you're going to marry, before you, before you do that, remember your Creator and pray to Him and ask for His guidance and choose to go His direction. Before you choose your career path, before you choose where you may work for the next 20 years, before you choose uh, your people group that you're going to hang out with and allow to influence your life, before all of that, He says, remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. In your youth, when you're making all these decisions that affect the rest of your life, because you're going to get to that point where the days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in these. And then look at that next verse, verse two, he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and and, and the clouds return after the rain. Don't forget your creator now. Don't forget God now because how your life plays out for the next 20 to 30 years is affected by decisions that you make today. And it's been my experience that sometimes the older and more miserable people in life made a decision a long time ago that is still affecting them today. And it's because when they made that choice, they didn't remember their creator. They didn't think of the ways of God. They didn't take the advice of the word of scripture. And they made a decision and 20 years later, still suffering the consequences for that choice. Goes back to a wish I had. No one intended to end up here, but it is the way that it is. And Solomon says, through it all, don't forget your God, especially in the days of your youth. Don't forget your God. And that days of your youth is a perspective that changes over life, doesn't it? Because, you know, 40s, I remember when my dad turned 40 and I was thinking, man, he's really old. And now I'm like, man, I'm really young. I mean, isn't it amazing how that changes? And some of you laughing because you're, you know, 68 years old. And Hey, it's good, right? You're feeling young. You're like, hey. Uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a whole life in front of me here. I think it's just grabbing that moment wherever you're at and saying, you know what, I'm not going to forget God. And these decisions that come, not going to forget God. And then it's interesting because he goes on, and in verses 3 through 8, he describes the aging process. Now, when I read that earlier, you may have been like, what is all that about? <laughs> Let me explain it. And I think if I explain it, you're going to go like, Wow. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Listen to what it says in verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, the hands that cleaned everything, and it's referring to the hands and arms aging, and sometimes as you age, you you, you start to tremble a little bit. And, And he says there, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent when our backs are starting to give way, and in our legs we're starting to be hunched over a little bit, and it says, and then the grinders cease because there are few it's talking about your teeth and they're falling out right got to get this thing called dentures all up in there and you know the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed it's referring to our eyes and our vision being dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and and, and again it's it's basically talking there when the grinding is low it's talking about hey no more corn on the cob okay and just, you know, the, grind, the grinding is low now. We can't, uh, can't chew like we used to. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. You know, it was sometimes as you age, it's harder to sleep. 
And we got people that go to bed at like 7 p.m., but it's because they're getting up at 3.30 a.m. in the middle of the night, and it's just hard to sleep through the night like they used to. And, and that, that just happens with, with age. The grinding is the one rises up with the sound of a bird. And all of the daughters of song are brought low. It's talking about our hearing loss there. That all the songs of the daughters are brought low. And they are afraid also of what is high and the tares that are in the way. They're worried about the future. The almond tree blossoms. And I had to really do some research on that. Like, what is, what is an almond tree blossoming? What does it have to do with anything? But the blossoms of an almond tree, they have this unique characteristic that when they blossom, they immediately release from the tree. So it's kind of like, you know, if it's a, if it's a red bud or, or a peach tree or some fruit tree, you know, it might have a blossom. But then it immediately, like the minute it blossoms, it just falls to the ground. And, and it's just talking, again, they're about aging. I was thinking about hair loss, you know. It's like it's there and then it's gone, you know. And then, and then he goes on, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. I think he could possibly be talking about sexual desire there, that it fails because of age. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners are about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, maybe we broke a bone there, uh, the golden bowl is broken before we have a fall, before the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel is broken at the cistern, uh, talking about again our bodies and everything breaking down, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And then he ends with this in verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And what he's saying there is life without meaning beyond this world is a waste. If you're only living for the here and now, you're only living for the moment, this is what you have to look forward to. It's called aging. And he says, don't be caught up in this. Don't be the only thing that you live for. Have it be something beyond this. Have it be going to God. He's reiterating through all of this. Don't forget your God. Remember, that's how he started out in verse 1. Remember your creator. And even as you go through all of this process, remember, as you go through this process, you're what? You're one step closer to eternal life. And that's why it's important you make a decision now and you make a decision today to have a relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ. And then it kind of shifts here at verse 9. He's been talking about the decay that sin brought into the world and how we're aging, how we're going through all this. And then it shifts here at verse 9. Look at verse 9. It says, besides being wise, the preacher, and he's you know, referencing himself throughout Ecclesiastes as the preacher, that's Solomon. He says, besides being wise, the preacher, Solomon, also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many Proverbs with great care. You know, he's the one that uh, is credited with writing the book of Proverbs. Most of our Proverbs in the Bible come from him. And he says, hey, I've been, you know, weighing and studying and arranging many Proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth because they came from the Lord. And he says, talks about that in verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. They're given by one shepherd, the Almighty God. In verse 12, look what he says about the Holy Scriptures. He says, My son, be aware, be, uh, my son, beware of anything beyond these scriptures, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. There's an emphasis on reading the Bible and on elevating the Word of God in a life. And you know, I was talking to somebody this week, they were kind of complaining they read the daily paper and they're complaining about this and that and I said you know I had this thought it's like if you read this as much as you stuck your nose in that paper every day 
I mean, I wonder what a difference it'd make in your life to read some truth and to get some perspective instead of reading what happened yesterday in a paper. You see, let's, let's just be honest here. The fact is some of us are more dedicated to reading the morning paper than we are to this. And some of you read the whole Sunday morning paper this morning and you haven't got to this until just now. I'm just wondering, what if we changed that? What if this was our first thought? What if this was the first thing we read? What if we spent the time we, read in the pa- we use reading the paper reading this and then we get to the paper later? I'm not saying the paper's a bad thing. You read it later. But what if this was the priority in life? And that's what he says. Hey, they're going to write things, and there's going to be many books. There is no end. Much study, but it's weariness to the flesh. Sometimes when you read the news, don't you get a little weariness in your flesh? Yeah. And then you get to verse 13. And he says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. In other words, I have been writing for 12 chapters now, and I'm about done. And then he gives us this statement. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And what's interesting there is I I looked up that verse in the original Hebrew, and I feel like a better translation would actually be this, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the wholeness of man. It's not just the whole duty of man, like something that you do. This is the wholeness of man. This is what brings meaning to the existence of man. This is the essence of man. This is what you've been looking for your whole life, is this God-shaped hole that's in your life, this vacuum that you've been stuffing everything in this world into and actually just need more of him. And he is the wholeness. It's the wholeness of man. Yes, fear God. And, And fear God doesn't mean like be scared of God. It's talking about revering him because of his holiness, revering him because of his strength and his might and his power, understanding who he is and seeing all the work that he's done throughout scripture and does even in our world today. Fear him, revere him, and because of that reverence for him, you're going to keep his commandments, uh, not because you ought to, but because you love him. And because you're showing him that through obedience. And that is the wholeness of man. You're going to feel more whole than you've ever felt in your life when you are simply fearing God and keeping his commandments. You're doing what he wants you to do. And that's why the fourth thing he's saying to us this morning is to seek wholeness in Christ. Seek wholeness in Christ. But it's only found, it's only completed, it only comes to its completion in Christ. Seek wholeness in Christ. You do your want-tos, you deal with your junk now because the older you become, the more it will cost you. Don't forget your God and seek wholeness in Christ. Revere him and keep his commands. The last verse says, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing. You can't hide anything from God. Really? And it says, whether good or evil. It's going to be fun to be judged on some good things, right? But what about those evil things? What's interesting, as you uh, go go through this this passage that we've read today starting back at 11 and and even through the end of chapter 12 is there's three references to God right there in the scripture and there's a fourth one that's kind of concealed but I think Solomon got it at the end if you read the whole book in its entirety you kind of feel this theme coming at the beginning of our passage it, it says remember your creator remember God is called the he's called the creator as we're getting toward the end it says that the word of God comes from one shepherd and so he's He's the creator. He's also called our shepherd. 
at the very end of the passage, it says that, that he is our judge, that he is the righteous judge. And, and that's just not a Solomon concept. That's found out all throughout the Bible, that God is the righteous judge, that he will judge the deeds of man at the end. And if you want wholeness as man, then you fear him and you keep his commandments because of love. And you say, how? Because he's not just creator, he's not just shepherd, he's not just judge. He also sent his son, the Savior. Creator, shepherd, judge, and Savior is our God. You see, he understood in Solomon's time in the Old Testament, mindset was focused on the sacrifices that were to be made in the temple. And that you and your family, as an atonement, as a payment for your sin, would take one of your best and most favorite animals, the one that you'd, you'd pet, the one that you, you know, might have in the house with you, the one that you love, the one that was without blemish, your favorite, and you would bring that, and you would sacrifice it, you would kill it. Because when there was sin... God's rule was something had to die. And throughout the Old Testament, it was animal sacrifices, and we see that, whatever your family could afford. Maybe it wasn't a lamb, maybe it was, you know, a couple of pigeons. But you brought that to the Lord, and it was to be a sacrifice, an atonement for your sin. And God said, you know what, this isn't working. He said, once and for all, I'm going to send atonement. I'm going to send a substitutionary sacrifice. And because of that, he's going to be the propitiation, that means substitutionary atonement, for our sins. And his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the Son of God, and God sends a Savior. Yes, he's the creator, and yes, he's the shepherd, and yes, he's the righteous judge, but he's also the Savior. And Solomon, because of his time, didn't realize that, but I think if you read Ecclesiastes close enough, Solomon and all of the prophets at old and all of even the nation of Israel are looking for what the whole time? Messiah. They're looking for Messiah. They're looking for the Savior that will come. And guess what? God provides it through his son, Jesus Christ. He loves us so much, he would actually send his son to be the sacrifice and Jesus is the answer to remove the vexation from your heart, to remove the struggle, to, re to be the one that redeems back all of the bad stuff and all the sinfulness and all the junk we have that we need to deal with in our life. We can't do it on our own power. And God saw that, and even Solomon saw that. And so we sent Jesus because of his great love for us to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have life with him everlasting. And so if you're outside of Christ Jesus this morning, if you've never said, hey, I, I want Jesus Christ in my life, if you've never accepted him as Savior and Lord, we, we invite you as we sing this song together to come. We're, we're going to sing about amazing grace, the amazing grace of God, and it is amazing. But we invite you to come. Maybe you're one that, that maybe you've strayed. Maybe there was a season in your life where you you felt like, yes, I, I feared the Lord, and yes, I was keeping his commands, I was walking his ways, I made that decision to follow Christ, but I haven't been living that out. Maybe this is a time where you're called to repentance. You're called to, to change your direction, to literally change your mind and to go his way. But whatever God is laying on your heart this morning, we invite you to come. We have a decision room that is over to your right, and we'll have people over there to pray with you, to talk to you about any. Thank God's placed on your heart this morning to just support you, answer your questions. 
But we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you for Ecclesiastes. I thank you for the life of Solomon, somebody who had it all by world standards, somebody that, that, that seemed to have it all figured out, that everybody in the, on the earth at his time was looking to him. And he writes Ecclesiastes, and he says, hey, this is all meaningless without God. This is all meaningless without Jesus being the center. If you live for just the here and now, yeah, you might enjoy life, and, but you've got to live with the end in mind because it's not really about the here and now. It's about the afterlife. It's about the life that is to come, and it's about the opportunity we have as children of God to spend eternal life with our Father in heaven. So God, this morning, as you continue to just speak into our minds and our hearts, God, I just pray in these next few minutes, have your Holy Spirit do its work in us so that we can respond in an appropriate way and take that next step toward you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.